The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Payfer. I may be from Down Under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a mom. Model, but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Adade Adidoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Canopoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Adil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Subramaniam. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shame. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them. It's just me by myself. Um, it feels really strange to be recording after like over a week. Um, thank you to everybody who reached out and was like so kind about um, just like the breaks, like needing the breaks, man. Um, I've been burnt out. I've been exhausted. Um, but the good news is that Monday is Ramadan. So uh, Ramadan Mubar, Monday is Ramadan. This is how ridiculous I am. Monday is Eid. Ramadan is almost over. My brain is not working. Um, Monday is Eid. So Eid Mubarak to everybody who is celebrating. And um, yeah, I'm just like excited to have coffee during the day. And right now I just feel like I could take on the entire world by myself um, if I have coffee during the day. Coffee and water. That's all I need. Um, isn't that a song by Ashley Darby? <laughs> coffee and love. <laughs> apparently didn't work out for them. But anyway, right now, 
Uh, I feel really excited to be recording again and just talking to you guys again. Um, you know, I appreciate any grace that you give me as I kind of figure out what I want the podcast to look like um, as I move forward by myself for the most part. Obviously, like I said before, Arthi is going to be a frequent guest and she will hop on when she can. And I will definitely um, have some of our podcaster friends on and any guests if I can get any. But, you know, it's hard to schedule that stuff too. So um, I just appreciate everybody's um, sweet, supportive words as I navigate this alone. Um, so I have been watching or been trying to catch up on all of the Bravo that happened this last week. So today we're going to talk about Real Housewives of New Jersey, last two episodes of the season before the reunion, Real Housewives of OC, reunion parts one and two, which is apparently all they could muster up, and this week's Summer House. I did not watch Candy the Gang, and I did not watch Karen's show because, guys, it's too much stuff to watch. Like, just those four episodes of Housewives plus Summer. It's five hours of programming, guys. Five hours. You know how long it takes to catch up on that? It takes five hours <laughs> plus because you have to, like, also do notes. So anyway, um, let's talk about Summer House first. Uh, Summer House, they had primarily the episode was, you know, <laughs> coming back to the table in the Hamptons where Kyle has just started yelling at everybody because apparently he really cares about people talking, listening to Luke. He is really triggered by people talking over other people and having side conversations. Like, <laughs> what? Um, but then he goes to a corner. He finds a like a horse like a carousel horse <laughs> like one of those horses outside of like a, a grocery store like outside of like a bodega in new york city that you put a quarter into he finds one and he's just like <laughs> leaning on it and crying and one by one everybody except for his fiance come over everybody all the adults every all the over 30s come and console him um, they later find out that they've just been like loitering in front of somebody else's house. But essentially, Kyle is stressed out. Okay, Kyle is stressed out because of the wedding and all that stuff. It's inexcusable. He's a nut job. Later on, he doesn't take any accountability for it. He thinks it's totally fine that he got so upset. It's not a big deal. He's not a villain. He's not a dictator. He's not a monster. Of course, Kyle, you're perfect. But Let's talk about Kyle and Amanda because clearly there's like a lot of stress here. But one thing I do want to talk about with Amanda is that like we learned just in the last few episodes that like Amanda's rich. <laughs> Amanda is a wealthy and privileged girl from New Jersey. Like where she lives, where her parents live, where her wedding is, is like a really nice part of Jersey. And her parents have like a, a massive house, a house that's big enough to host like a 250 people wedding in their backyard, right? And then we also found out like there seems to be some sort of trust, like a grandpa's trust. So Amanda, it's possible that this is like the first time that she's ever even had to think about finances and she needs like a lot of handholding. And she's likely used to her dad who has always held her hand to understand all these things. So she needs Kyle to hold her hand and help her understand the mechanics of a prenup. The thing is, they only talk about this shit when 
like they're drunk. Or maybe they talk about it off camera. It seemed like maybe that's what Amanda was alluding to when she was like, why are you talking to me about this right now when you know how I feel about it? Um, So it sounds like maybe they have talked about it before. But Amanda, like just wants to understand what the prenup would do. And I think that Kyle has run out of patience for Amanda. He doesn't want to hold her hand as he navigates the finances. He doesn't understand how to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't know how to manage their own finances. And that's bullshit. Like you've been with this person for like a million years. You've been engaged for three years. For you to just start talking about like finances a month before your wedding is bullshit. Like there's no reason for that. And it it just, it's annoying because like, just like Amanda knows who she is choosing to be with, who is like a person who possibly has a drinking problem and clearly rage issues, Kyle, you should also know who you've chosen to be with. You chose to be with a trust fund kid who has never had to work hard to earn their money. Like you chose to be with somebody who's like over 10 years younger than you and has never really had to work hard. Like anybody who is like living in the city with like a simple job and like doesn't even know how to pay bills. Like, there's, there's a very specific kind of person. Like, I think um, uh, Cara Berry on her podcast said, Amanda is just somebody who, like, we wouldn't understand because we don't know what that lifestyle is like. But it also makes sense why Amanda would get along with people like Hannah or Paige because those girls are like her. Also makes sense why Amanda wouldn't get along with somebody like Lindsay who has worked pretty hard her whole life, has like abandonment issues, didn't really have parents to like rely on in that way. She's from Florida, so she had to like work up to, I guess, move to New York. Or somebody like Danielle, who is a woman of color. She's, you know, I think a child of immigrants, but like she's worked really hard to get to the place where she is. She doesn't understand that. And that's why she probably doesn't get along with them. And it's probably why Lindsay and Amanda, uh, Lindsay and Danielle don't have a lot of patience for Amanda. But regardless of all that, both of these idiots know exactly who they chose to be with. Like it's exactly it's it's maddening that they are now stressing out about the reality of who they've chosen to marry because they have to have hard conversations. Like I always tell my friends this when they start to date someone and they already like start getting into fights in you know in the first few weeks. Like say I would tell Lindsay this like with Ahmed, right? is dating is supposed to be fun. Like all this stuff before you get married is supposed to be fun. Like you're supposed to be enjoying yourself. Like you don't have real problems until after you get married, really, honestly. Like shit really hits the fan when like you have a baby and neither of you have slept and like the baby has a blowout and the clothes need to be changed and your husband has no idea where the right size clothes are. Like that's the stuff where you really get into it with your partner, you know? Like it's not about like any time before you get married is supposed to be truly fun. Like real problems happen when you have financial issues, which I guess these guys are now having, but like real that's when real shit hits the pan. And so for her to be freaking out, for both of them to be like so panicked and I mean, who am I even? What am I? What's the point of me going on this rant? You guys know, I know. 
they're a dysfunctional couple and they probably shouldn't be together. Like, it's like this wedding, it's 20 days away and like the parents are like, hey, what the hell, guys? Like, we don't know where things sit with anything. Like, it, it even with this flowers thing, it sounds like maybe the flowers are like the only thing that those two agreed to like take on and even that is falling apart. Like, I... I just can't believe that it's been like, what, 13 episodes of watching these two fight? And next week I'm probably still going to cry watching them get married because, because I'm the sucker in all of this. Anyway, Kyle Amanda, they're a mess. Luke, um, this episode built a fire, um, and it's important to call that out because I've tried to build a fire when I've gone to places and – it's never easy. And as soon as Luke builds a fire, I'm like, okay, I want to live in this house. I want to live in an Airbnb with Luke. I wouldn't even like do anything with him sexually because hello, I'm happily married to a babe. But I just want somebody around who can build a fire because none of the men I know know how to build a fire. Okay. I live in a suburb of New York. Like my husband grew up in the city. He, he has no idea. We... If we needed warmth, we would have no – he would be rubbing sticks. Like, he wouldn't know. Anyway, uh, this prom thing happens, and Carl and Lindsay pass notes. It's very cute. Um, again, I am concerned about the both of them. Okay, Lindsay was just a day before uh, screaming on the phone to a guy. <laughs> and the next day, she's writing notes to Carl. <laughs> Um, a guy, oh, by the way, screaming about a guy who she met a week ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was cute. It was cute. Um, I don't care about Craig. I'm not interested in him. Screw that guy. Apparently there was like a rumor that Craig and Austin on their stupid pillows and beer tour, which I cannot believe people are paying money to see them. Like, that's crazy. But, Apparently, they said – somebody said – I don't know if it actually happened. I don't know what's real anymore. But on the internet, it said that they had insinuated something about Lindsay and Carl being fake and it all just being for the show and that Lindsay's lucky because she gets a good edit and that's why everybody loves her. <laughs> Lindsay? Lindsay gets a good edit? We have like <laughs> – there's probably about like 13 minutes of like just content from over the last few seasons, like over all the seasons of Summer House of just L Lindsay losing it. And I feel like it gets sprinkled in every single season. Like it's just compounding every season. There's just so much Lindsay being an absolute monster. But they really think that like Lindsay must get a good edit because <laughs> everybody loves her. It goes to show that they are such pieces of shit that Lindsay, who is an absolute monster, could be more beloved than them. That is how shitty they are. Lindsay doesn't need a good edit. It's just that you guys are pieces of shit. Um, okay, let's talk about New Jersey. I feel like New Jersey is the thing I probably have the most thoughts about um, because, uh, because it was great, because the last two episodes were great, uh, although abruptly ended. But... It's just these two uh, episodes were them in Nashville, and pretty much it was just various scenes of activities, and sprinkled within that was the general tension between Teresa and Marge um, following Tree's wine glass toss. Um, 
Now, Teresa and Marge have like a few moments throughout, which eventually it ends with the finale ending kind of abruptly. And I want to just break down like what's happened so far and where I stand with these two. So like Teresa has not changed at all. Okay. She, yes, she went to prison and she came back trying to be namaste, but like anybody with eyes and ears could see. I mean, the very first season that she like fully came back, she slammed a chair on the ground and said she was going to fuck up Kim D, right? Like, so this is, we have to remember, this is the same woman who yelled at Jacqueline and Caroline who were bringing up, bringing things to light, as she likes to say. Um, She was yelling at them for bringing things to light rather than being supportive good girlfriends because they were asking questions about her possibly going to jail. Did she go to jail? Yes, she did. And then she even continued to not want to talk about her, why she went to jail, even after she came out of, or like, was it when she, no, it was when maybe Joe Judice was in prison. I don't remember. But regardless, she just doesn't want to talk about it. Like, Teresa's never going to actually unpack her shit, which is why she is such a a ball of um, rage all the time. And why she is so uncomfortable on the show. Like compared to Ultimate Girls Trip, this is why. is because she knows that the women on the show, but she knows that being on a show like Real Housewives of New Jersey requires her to talk about the difficult shit that's going on in her life in a way that maybe she, she doesn't get to control. Whereas when she is on a show like Ultimate Girls Trip, she knows that these are all women who aren't necessarily gunning for her, but, but, are confident in their space on their television shows. So they're not going to try to like come at her or bring her down or anything. Real Houses of New Jersey, Teresa knows, and uh, fuck Louie, but he's not wrong when he says they just want you want to be in your seat or Marge just wants to be in your seat. I don't know. I don't think that Marge wants to be in Teresa's seat, but I think that that is a real fear that Teresa has, that people are just trying to like come for her and make her show theirs um is the real houses of new jersey Teresa's show i mean yeah it is like it is (laughs) but um regardless Teresa never wants to talk about it she never ever wants to talk about the shit that's going on in her life unless she gets to control the amount of information that's coming out now with marge she's basically doing the same thing that jacqueline caroline did right she brought it once, uh, brought it up once at the party um, in the beginning of the season. And Teresa said, look, I'm focused, not focusing on his past. I have a past. He has a past. We're past it. We're moving forward. And she expected Margaret to drop it. But Marge did keep talking about it. And like while Marge said she was just asking questions and not talking behind Teresa's back, Almost like 90% of the scenes that were filmed for her this season were her talking to somebody about, did you hear about Louie? Like, it seemed like all Margaret did this season was like go on Instagram, see rumors about Louie, and then get on camera and talk about it and just say, oh my God, did you hear a new thing? So she tells Teresa when she, when Teresa's trying to talk to Margaret at Hattiebee's, which is like so disrespectful to Nashville Hot Chicken, like... Teresa, I would never come to your place of worship and cause a scene, okay? But anyway, Margaret tells Teresa that, like, she doesn't want to talk about it there because it's emotional and it's layered. But, like, I still don't know what the emotions and layers are because at the end, 
when Margaret is talking to her, she just tells Teresa to like, get ahead of it. Like getting ahead of it is just not something that I feel like is even in Teresa's realm of understanding. Like Teresa can't get ahead of something. She she can barely follow a thing from point A to point B. She can't anticipate how to get ahead of something. She's always just trying to keep up because things are confusing for her. She didn't get ahead of possibly going to jail, and she's not going to get ahead of being in a relationship with like a walking red flag, a literal red flag. Louis is more red than the spicy chicken that Bill Aiden and Joe Gorgo were eating. Now, does Margaret have genuine concern for Teresa? Yes. Does Margaret also use this as an opportunity for a storyline? Also, yes. Um, Does Teresa understand what it means to get ahead of anything? No, right? Um, Does Teresa understand how bubbles work? Absolutely not. And does Teresa understand that asking someone questions to their face is the diametric opposite of talking behind their back? No, she doesn't. Um, But it's just... I feel like it was an interesting situation, but it also, it felt um, annoying. It's kind of like, it's like how I get frustrated with like Candace, right? Is I, I don't mind the fighting between housewives as long as it comes to a point where it seems like both people understand the other. Teresa is exhausting because she doesn't understand. Like she just doesn't get it, you know? Um, I have some thoughts about Dolores. Um, it, the reunion and there's rumors like that there's whatever they are. It looks like maybe T- Dolores and Teresa are on the outs. Um, but I want to talk about how Dolores deals with Teresa because she keeps saying like, oh, Teresa's a big girl. She can handle herself. But she also says like Teresa's an abused dog that is just grateful to have found shelter. You know, and like the whole thing is weird because like if you've known someone for this long and you see that they're clearly getting into like a second toxic relationship with a potential abuser, you can't just say like, oh, she's going to handle herself. Like that's some old school bullshit. That's like turning your eye to like a toxic, to like the toxic shit in your community. Like, like back in the day, Like, it was like, oh, yeah, everybody knows that so-and-so's husband, like, beats his wife, but you just, like, don't say anything. And, like, that's what I feel like Dolores, like, that's how she operates. And it's – I don't like it because it seems like she's the only person who could possibly sit with Teresa and say, look, Teresa, everybody's just worried that Louis is going to hit you. So if he hits you, you need to tell us, right? And perhaps it's a conversation that Dolores needs to have off camera with Teresa, And maybe she has. I don't know. I doubt it. But the way that Dolores, like, navigates around Teresa, I mean, Marge isn't wrong where she said, like, you know, they've lowered the bar for her and they tiptoe around her and all of that shit. Like, even Teresa body shaming Margaret was really fucked up. And, like, why they don't say anything to Teresa is because, one, again, it's Teresa's show. Two... They know that, like, Andy loves her, so, like, Bravo's never going to get rid of her. 
And because Teresa's like dumb and exhausting and it's exhausting to explain to a moron that they are a moron, even if you love that moron, you know, speaking of morons, let's talk about the Gorga siblings. Um, first of all, I want to say I can't stand Melissa Gorga and it's clear that neither do the editors. Okay. The editors cannot stand her. Everybody hates her. They trimmed Antonia's sweet 16 down which was possibly like, I'm sh- I'm sure that she had a ton of vendors who she promised she would get screen time and she got all these deals, but she- they trimmed that party down to a black and white flashback and they showed her really pitchy, shitty singing, which I appreciated. I'm not going to talk about that dumb drama mama song because it was just like literally the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Like Coffee and Love might be a be- is a better song than whatever that dog shit was that they put together. I'm just happy that Melissa Gorga can put a pin in how she's not a recording artist, okay? Because she tried and she really failed. But anyway... I can't stand Melissa Gorga and um, and also another reason why I know that they don't like her is because they placed her very the last spot on the couches uh, at the reunion. So everybody, she's universally hated, which I kind of love. <laughs> um, but let's talk about Teresa and Joe. So Teresa says that she wants loyalty and at the same time, she also says she wants to be left alone. Right. Like Teresa doesn't make any sense because she wants when Jennifer is, you know, screaming about Joe Gorga being a little bitch boy, Teresa says, oh, Joe can handle himself. But when Margaret and Teresa are fighting, Teresa screams at Joe to do something about it or Melissa to do something about it. Right. Like she wants everyone to have her back, but she also wants everybody to mind their business. Like she swears that she can handle whatever Louis is or does, but she's also so fragile against Margaret that she wants Melissa and Jen and Dolores to like always have her back and cuss people out. And it doesn't make any sense. Um, The reunion footage, like the previews, it looks like there's some big explosive fight between Teresa and Joe and like Melissa Gorga is calling TMZ to to surprise her outside of a restaurant and ask her questions about Joe and Teresa. but I'm pretty sure the only reason there's like drama between Joe and Teresa and why he had this like blow up where he apparently leaves, walks off set is I think because Melissa and Joe have realized that their tenure on the show depends on the dysfunction with Teresa. Like their big party of the season was cut out and like none of Joe Gorga's weird ass antics like did anything for the show. Like he just it didn't, it didn't make any sense. So it didn't make a difference. Um, we didn't learn anything new about the Gorgas, right? Like there was really nothing that we got out of Joe and Melissa. Apparently they bought a house. They're going to renovate it. We got like a clip of that. The the weird thing with like Antonia, like she just shamed Antonia all season, but like they know that they did, they probably watched the show. Right. And they were like, oh wow, we were barely in it. And they realized that they need to you know, step their pussy up. And here they are trying. (laughs) Joe Gorga is coming in pussy forward and really trying to step it up and get into a fight with his sister because he knows that that's the only way he's going to stay on the show. And no, he will never quit because what else is he going to do? Not build homes and post pictures on the internet that he did build homes? Okay. Um, 
Also, Joe Gorga, um, if you want to suck a dick, just suck a dick. You know? It's 2022, Giuseppe. Just suck the dick. You don't have to pretend with a plastic one. Just get a human dick and put it in your mouth, buddy. It's time. Just move on. Um, speaking of dicks, let's talk about Louie. Um, Louis is just like New Jersey Jax Taylor at this point. <laughs> like he's just Jax Taylor who can put a couple of words together. Like he honestly, he reminded me of Joe Goldberg from you. Like there's something really scary about Louis being like, you don't need to work. Let's move into our 50,000 square foot house. Like I'm going to protect her. Like that shit is a pipeline to abuse. Like you make her think she doesn't need to work so that she only relies on you. You make her think she can't trust her friends so that she only trusts you. You know, you make her think you've given her the whole world so that when you do turn and abuse her, she feels indebted to you and forgives you. Like, it's so alarming and so terrifying. Um, there's, like, every time he's, like, nice, I'm like, okay. Like, it, it's just... Bright red flags all around. Um, there's this video going around right now of Louis saying, like, it's a video of Louis talking to his ex, one of his exes, and he's basically saying the exact same thing he said to Teresa. Like, he's saying the same things he said to Joe Gorga about, like, oh, like, you've helped me grow and I've manifested you and we're going to communicate and you're all I need. And, like, it's, it's bone chilling. It's really creepy. And, I mean, Teresa had her ex-husband called her a cunt on camera and like we knew that he was cheating on her for years and she didn't ever admit to any of it. If if this thing ends up falling apart with Louis, she's never going to admit that he did the things that he did. Like if for some reason down the line she and Louis break up or they get a divorce or whatever – She's never going to give anybody the satisfaction of saying, yeah, you were right about him being an abuser. She will come up with something else, some other reason for why they can't be together. Um, but she's never, ever going to admit that she was wrong about this guy because, because that's just, again, you can't explain to a moron why they're a moron, you know? Um, I think for this season, I have to say that the winner for me was Jennifer. Because we saw a full arc. Like she came on camera. She had bad surgery. Um, she had like all her laundry, dirty laundry dragged on TV. She cried. She screamed. She fell. But at the end, she apologized. She owned her shit. She understood. Sometimes she was like a voice of reason, which was very confusing. But I love the fact that she started the season having no friends. And she ended the season pretty much on good terms with everyone. So Jennifer Aiden really, she won this season. Um, I know at the reunion, uh, Dolores calls her a cunt. So I'm pretty sure I'll change my mind by next week. But I'm happy for Jennifer. Um, Let's talk about OC. Um, these two reunions were really just just pieced together. Like, I don't even, I don't know what was, also, can we, the contrast was so high. Like, everything was turned all the way up. The set was bananas. I felt like I needed sunglasses. 
it just it was such a snooze these two episodes that like Andy needed to end the reunion with like a let's go around the room and say something nice about each other. I was like, what is this? What are we watching? Um, the most interesting parts of the reunion were the Noella and Shannon segments. Any segment about Noella and any segment about Shannon. Um, Noella is she's so off her rocker that it's fully entertaining. Like, I feel like even at some point, the women on on the show are watching her the way we all watch like Sonia Morgan on TV. Like, we know that Sonia can only exist on reality TV because real life humans can't be like that. Like, that's unacceptable for real real life humans. I feel like even they look at Noella like, you are just for TV and not for real life. And they are also all on TV. Does that make sense? Like, the whole thing with Noella, like, she admits that she met her ex-husband on an app for rich dudes when she talks about, like, oh, I would have never gone on this show if I knew that, like, he was going to leave me and it would, like, cause such problems. And she says, like, you know, I liked my old- I liked my life. I liked my jets. I liked my kids. I'm like, oh, you you liked your plane more than your family? Okay. Like, I just – I don't know. She just <laughs> – She's delusional in a way that, like, she brings, like, a VH1 TLC, like, rock of love bus flair to Bravo. Like, she, I feel like she reminds me of Farah Abraham from Teen Mom. Like, even if you see her social media right now, like, the other day she posted a video of, like, her boyfriend who looks nothing like the guy from Sons of Anarchy. Like, just, like her she and him like sitting around like counting like envelopes of cash i was like okay (laughs) she's so weird she's a weird person but i don't want to not watch her like she's so weird that i want to keep watching her because i also think that she's so delusional like all the things that like heather's worried about like oh you can't say these things about us like you can't it's so low brow to talk about people in their business like Noella is so crazy. I don't think anybody even believes the shit that she says because none of it makes sense. Like Jen is right. Noella just makes things up and then she continues to not make sense. And so I feel like I feel like it's fine for her to be on the show. But I also think that in real life, she is so unpredictable that I understand like somebody like Gina, her apprehension um, in being friends with her. I get it. But I I don't know. I I kind (laughs) of... I kind of like Noella. I don't know. She's she's like delusional and bizarre in what I feel is like a fairly innocent way. So I can continue to watch her. You know, that's how I feel about her. Um, I feel like the loser of this entire season was Gina, obviously. Like even when Gina and Shannon are talking about their issues – you know, Shannon's trying to say, like, I've been a really good friend to you and you were so mean to me to say, like, how many friends do you even have? Um, or laughing about me not having friends. Like, rather than owning any of it, Gina start she, like, deflected to how aggressive she thinks John is. Like, Gina's not a nice person. And it's really obvious that she's not a nice person. And it's obvious that she's now got the balls to be the real, like, mean person that she is because she has somebody like Heather or Emily on her side. That's why she's being the way she is with Shannon. And it doesn't make any sense to Shannon because Shannon is kind of like a – she's like a hopeful, um, naive person in that way, like how she manages or navigates friendships. 
but it's pretty obvious the kind of person Gina is, and Gina's not a nice person. Um, Nicole, the Nicole thing comes up, which again, like, doesn't really make any sense, but um, I do think that Shannon is right, that, like, she really thought that she was talking to them about something else, and it was on them that they brought up the shit on camera. Like, Shannon never brought it up on camera. They all brought it up on camera. Gina and Emily brought it up on camera about Nicole. Um, but I do think Heather brings a good point to say we had opportunities, you and I, Shannon, to talk about it. You never talked about it with me. So I don't know. The whole thing was like silly. It was like silly enough where I feel like poor Shannon was getting like so worked up. And I just like, I just wanted her to calm down because I wanted her to know like, these people look like idiots. I'm like, you really are the winner. I was happy for Shannon this season. I feel like she had a good season. Um, despite her just like she had a rocky start, she got kicked out of Heather's house, you know, all that stuff. But like Shannon ultimately looked great. She's doing well. She got the most um skin cut out of her neck that <laughs> that any plastic surgeon in OC has ever seen. <laughs> Such a bizarre, bizarre little factoid that she shared with us. Um, but I don't know, like I'm just I was like whatever about OC, honestly. Um, at the end, they they did like a champagne pineapple toast. <laughs> like, you know, usually they do that because they're like referencing something that happened on the show. I don't even know what they were referencing. I have no idea what that was about. <laughs> I was like, when did they have these drinks? Like, <laughs> where did the pineapples come from? <laughs> what? Where are we? Why is the contrast so high? Why are my eyes bleeding? And what are you guys wearing? Um, also, Dr. Jen was there. She was she was basically one of the excess. She might as well have been an umbrella inside of the pineapple. Like, I don't know. I don't know anything new about her. And yes, everybody who sent us the message, we do know why she had the issues that she did with her leg. And I appreciated that Noella did like bring light to it to say like, you know, Jen, you have your chronic pain and you keep doing what you do. We know why she has that tumor or that cancer she had uh, or bone tumor or bone cancer she had in her leg and whatever. I know that she has it. The issue was that we never got more information. Like instead they gave us these like clunky scenes of like her and Ryan and talking about how Ryan spells his name and all this other stuff. But like there's other more interesting things about Jen. Like the fact that she's been engaged seven times or that her – ex-fiance sued her or that, you know, apparently the other stuff coming out about her like business, which obviously she wouldn't want to talk about on camera. But there's more interesting things to her than her husband who clearly doesn't want to be on camera. Um, but I don't think she's getting asked to come back. It would be wild if she did. But yeah. So that was it. That was it. That was um, five hours of content drilled down in about 30 minutes. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> For listening. So uh, Sunday Atlanta is back. So uh, I am going to do a Wednesday episode for you guys, I believe, because because um, it's too much content to try to remember and cover in one episode is what I realized. I'm just trying to figure this out, guys. Okay, just I, bear with me. Um, but next episode, we will talk about all of the shows on Sunday. I'm going to catch up on Candy and the Gal gang, Candy and the gang. Candy and the gang. And um, what's the other one? 
uh, Karen's show where I hope she learned the difference between secession and succession. Um, and, uh, obviously Atlanta's coming back. Did you guys see the Marvel Atlanta, like the Dr. Strange crossover like promo? It's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Oh, I'm also excited about the Atlanta tag. I'm just excited that Atlanta's coming back. So we'll talk about Atlanta. Um, maybe I can rope Arthi into coming on that episode and, um, so I'll cover all the Sunday shows and then we'll figure out what to do the rest of the week between Summer House where apparently something insane happens during Kyle and Amanda's wedding. I don't know. What is it? Does the DJ play the wrong song because you couldn't figure out what song you wanted to play? Like, whatever. Anyway, so I will talk to you guys then. And um, as always, thank you and I appreciate you for listening. Goodbye.